you know, we try and do that. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's just, no, stay inside for a couple of days. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, and we had very dramatic uh, last week, I think two weeks ago, uh, we had a negative 20 snap for about 36 hours. Wowzers. Yeah. And this was my first super cold time in this house. And like, you know, you get worried because you don't know. I don't, I'm not like super chatty with the people I bought the house from. And so, you know, I don't know how much this is a, oh my God, put space heaters in here, all the sinks and how much it's just like, eh, turn the heat up a little, you know, and it turned out more like the latter than the former. Yeah. Uh, but Jim was coming up and I was like, look, I'm just telling you, it's going to be cold in here. Uh, you're welcome. I'm, I'd love to have you here, but, uh, uh, and yeah, it was pretty much stay the hell inside. It was, uh. It was ridiculous, but yeah. but then it was over, and now it's forty five, so kind of wild, sixty degrees warmer. Excuse me, um, that's a that's a burp to announce that this is episode one hundred and ninety one of the Metal Fortress Podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm Josh Cortex Millard, and I'm Jessamine, uh, Jessamine Cherubim West, as we established, um, and uh, yeah, here we are. Such a it, it is pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, um, and we got the last podcast uh, a little later, so actually we're we're pretty much on target for when the podcasts actually come out. Um, we're just a little late for recording. Yeah, maybe we'll get turned on real quick. Who knows? Or maybe it'll come out in March. Who knows? Nobody knows because the I future is uncertain. I do know it's uncertain. not going to come out in March because I've now seen. I can mix them myself. <laughs> so it'll come out Sunday. <laughs> um, yes, and yeah, here we are. We're doing the thing. It's a. Uh, it's I, I. I'm having a very scattered morning. Like it's a. Uh, I would say it's because of like coffee and tea, but it's actually probably more a lack of coffee and tea. Our our our, our water uh, boiler, our water heater boiler machine, like the Zojirishi little kitchen top thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, is disintegrating. Um, the the, the lids just like coming apart. So we've got a new one on order, and it's it'll Those be things are like nice a week too. And a half. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. It's it's weird how thoroughly it has insinuated into the normal sea of our life because like. Whenever we like go somewhere, the fact that it's not there doesn't feel too weird. Like if we if we sure. you know go on vacation or something, like yeah, there's probably going to be a kettle and we use a kettle and it it's it's of a piece with everything else. It's a little bit different because you're somewhere else, right? Um, but at home, it's fucking weird. Like it's, it's what it's just, you're used it, to, and yeah, it's just yeah. sitting there ed- empty and headless, just waiting for a new lid to come. And like you know, in the meantime, it's just there. This weird like. Uh, you know, inert corpse of this machine. I was like, oh, right. I, if, if I want hot water, I actually have to think ahead slightly um, instead of just immediately having it. And like, I, you know, it's something that Angela wanted uh, as a like, you know, birthday gift years ago. And, and, and at the time I was like, oh, sure. I mean, if you want it, let's, let's get it. Um, and I'd grown so up in a kettle household. So you can water to like 181 and, degrees or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we keep it up at like 208 because well, we're hardcore. Like that. But they, it has options. Like, you know, you can pick usually like three different temperatures and, um, if you want to like make your tea and then very immediately drink it, then like, you know, you can do it like, yeah, 190 or whatever. Um, anyway, it's what, fucking great. What would you be great. doing if you weren't very immediately drinking it? I'm sorry. I missed. Uh, well, if, if you wanted to like steep it and then like immediately begin drinking it, you might want it to be a little bit cooler or if you really care about the specific temperature. Oh, the I see. Of tea because otherwise in. you'd be steeping it for a while and the water would be cooling off while that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. Um, plus, I, I like a ridiculously stupid hot cup of tea. <gasps> I like, like I enjoy it the best at that moment when you can just barely start to slurp at it. Like, I love, yeah. I love, I love yeah, a really yeah. properly hot beverage. This is um, very interesting that this is <laughs> happening to you 
Well, because I just got my first for this house electric kettle. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and spent – because, you know, there's only so much you can do about power consumption in the house, you know? Like uh, the pellet stove goes all day and, like, I've got a space heater to keep the boiler from running all the time in my office and blah, blah, blah. But, like, one of the things is, like, turning on the oven range – just to heat water for coffee seemed like a bad idea, right? Yeah. Like, it seems like there's alternatives. It's not the most efficient way to go. Electric kettles are good. Um, technology's pretty great with them. And so I spent a little bit of time poking around and decided to get, yeah. like, you know, not not the cheapest, but, like, a kind of cheap electric kettle. Um, and yeah. the biggest important part was getting one that didn't have, like a blue glow LED at all times. (laughs) And then it turned out the one that I bought had a blue glow LED when you flip it on, you know, and then it goes off. The thing automatically turns itself off when your water's boiling. But like, I don't know about you, but like there's some kind of blue LED that just makes my eyeballs hurt, you know? Like you look at it and it's too bright and... Yeah, the weird sort of halo-y feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it's like... Yeah. This had that. It was against the rules. And once I dug into the like the Amazon reviews, I was like, oh, there's somebody complaining that the light is too bright, whereas none of the pictures even have this light in it. And so the yeah. good news was I was like, oh, I could take it apart. I'll fix this, right? I'm a maker. And then the bad news was it required like a specific screwdriver that I didn't have. And I've got like 30 different <laughs> kinds of screwdrivers. And I didn't have this one. And... Fortunately, my neighbor Forrest, the engineer, had it. We took it apart. We clipped the LED out, and now it is perfect. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I this, this is a problem I would solve with electric tape usually. Ah, I can't. Like, I can't take a brand new thing and make it, like, ganky, sticky. Like, electric tape never oh, stays sure. unsticky to me. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the correct way to go. I'm just saying that's that's what i would fucking do it's like uh, or you know maybe maybe like you know a little bit of like acrylic paint maybe you know. well anything that was flat that's how i would do it but this is actually on the little lever that you turn it on and off with oh, yeah if it was just a little flat light yes absolutely yeah. i agree all right well well i'm glad you got it sorted out me and too congratulations on your electric kettle yes uh, and good luck getting your uh that thing Zoo yeah. rusher yeah it's like a week of like ground shipping from california so it'll, it'll be back. And in the meantime, we've got How a little kettle. How does ground shipping take a week from California? You're in I, the I, same I, time zone. I mean, ground shipping is slow. And also, they're just sort of slow getting stuff in the pipeline, I think, is part of it. It's also free shipping. So, like, fuck it. You know. Yeah. I bought this thing years and years ago. And it's like 35 bucks for a new whole lid piece, which is, like, not bad. Um, That's how much my entire electric kettle cost. But it only has one temperature. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that I think, is I think if boiling. we didn't have the Zoji, if we didn't have the Jojo... Zojirushi, uh, I think an electric kettle would have happened because, like, yeah, having something that just does that one specific thing works very well. So, do you even have like a stovetop kettle? Like, what are you doing right now? In yeah, no, we, 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 we've actually got a little, uh, little like maybe like two cups of tea uh, kettle that we had been cleaning out some like crannies in the kitchen and we're going to take out to the camping supplies in the garage and we just didn't get around to it. And then that's Ochoriju went on the blink. It was like, Oh, we'll use this thing. Okay. Hey. So we're just using that. I think we've got a slightly better one downstairs somewhere too, but like this one was already in the kitchen. So fuck it. And it's doing fine. And like, yeah, Good. and it's weird. It's weird remembering a lifelong habit of like beating it like full speed to the kitchen. Um, beating it. Ugh. Um, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> this is not the image I was going for. Uh, running full speed to the kitchen, all of a sudden when the, the, the whistle starts going off. And like, if you're lucky, you hear it when it's getting ready to go off and making those, first, and you can get there before it really and starts going full steam. And it's shrieking at you as you sprint across yeah. the house. I, that was like a defining part of my childhood was like, you know, screaming down to the kitchen from upstairs on the other end of the house and like, you know, coming down 16 narrow steps as fast as possible and trying to, Yeah. Yeah, see, I was like, in, I was a coffee household, so that was not part of our, uh, part of our things. The screaming tea kettle was usually when my mom had friends over, and ah. she would she would uh, sit around and blah 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 with them. Yeah, we were. I, I think we were sort of a mixed coffee tea household, and also like you know, hot chocolate, hot cider. Mm. Um, I guess we we liked a hot beverage uh, when I was a kid. Um, I guess it's, it, I, I don't know where that falls between ingredients and uh, prepared exactly. Oh, that we'll, has we'll, been a fascinating <laughs> conversation that we can get back to later. We'll get, we'll get to it. Fascinating. Um, do you want to talk over any job stuff? Um, you know, I haven't looked at jobs and I probably should have because I am now officially since my mother's, uh, well, there's only one job. Um, since my mother's house is officially sold, I am now officially on the job market. All right. Um, this job is in Canada. So, uh, J. And also, Chan, yeah, con- congrats, because, like, that happened since uh, we last Yeah, talked, yeah, yeah, like, right final, after. Final. Like, basically, yeah. it closed the day we were expecting it to, and especially with this recent cold snap, it has been great not to have to worry about a house <laughs> that is not my own house. Did you, uh, did you end up getting that bobka? Yeah, I did. I ate Excellent. the whole thing myself. Nice. So good. Chocolate bobka is really the best. But yes, J-Chan has one job to be a lead product designer for a company called Perch that helps people buy houses, I think. I'm not super clear uh, what it does, but uh, it looks interesting. Startup environment, know about mortgage and financial services, uh, pays pretty good, I think. And uh, you should look at it. But then again, this job went up almost a month ago, so I'm not sure if it's still there. All right. Check it out and see. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a small bar in my neighborhood called, called The Perch. It's probably not that. Called Although The I'd Perch? Like think, oh, that's a yeah. good name for a bar. And it's got a little, little owl on the sign. Um, but yeah, I'd like to imagine that it's, that is just chock full of, uh, you know, .com people making a, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk about projects. Let's yeah, it looks about... like you got a project in projects. I do talk have about a project. Your project. project. I, uh, I I made a stained glass piece. I've been I've been doing a bunch of stained glass since then too. It's been nice. Uh, but I, I I had this idea to do a stained glass piece based on a mathematical sequence known colloquially as the toothpick sequence, um, which um, is just a nice little thing where you like put down a toothpick and then you put another toothpick centered and perpendicular on each open toothpick end that's left. And then you repeat and repeat and repeat. And you get this thing that grows up in an interesting, sort of chaotic looking fractal way. Um, and it's part of a whole family of things like that. But I was looking at it and thinking, you know, it'd be nice to do something about the rectangles and squares that get enclosed in the process of this thing growing. And I did that and I ended up using sort of a red, white, blue, yellow thing and uh, doing it as sort of like a Mondrian pastiche. And, and so, yeah, it's this nice, uh, it's, this, it's one of the, uh, a couple of people mentioned that it seems more classical than most of the stuff I make in terms of like the look of stained glass, which I think is true. Like it's it's a little bit more grid-based. It's not like prairie style exactly, but it has it has a little bit more of like a formal stained glass look rather than like guy obsessed with manger sponge who happened to find some stained glass, which a lot of my stuff ends up looking like. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but in a in, in a way, I'm very happy with this. It, it, it's it like it came out nicely. It was a, it was a good project. It was simple. Um, the rectangular everything ninety degrees sort of grid of stuff made it a little bit more of a challenge to like feel totally satisfied about how straight everything was laid out because just like, because if it's a little off you can really tell yeah you can see in a way that you wouldn't see with something that's a little bit more curvy or chaotic or whatnot um and i was happy enough with how it came out as far as that goes like it, it's not perfect but stained glass doesn't lend itself towards being like perfect in that way so yeah uh i think for my skill set and the relative speed with which i made it happen uh, it, it came out really well and yeah i liked it it was fun and so you described yourself also as repeat victim of nerd sniping. What does that actually mean? <laughs> uh, nerd sniping is a phrase uh, used. Um, I, I run it mostly with like uh, like math nerds and computer nerd people on uh, Mastodon and, and, and Twitter formally. Um, but basically the idea is someone in your feed or someone in your, you know, realm of acquaintance mentions probably mostly in passing some idea some like mathematical sequence or some computational notion or some puzzle or uh you know whatever some something and then they were just sort of like passing by and then you hit that and you're like oh huh oh huh and then there goes your fucking morning because all of a sudden you're like down three wikipedia holes <laughs> and you're like <laughs> learning everything about this thing and like that this, happens to me that definitely yeah. happens to me yeah so so yeah, that's getting nerd sniped all of a sudden you're like oh man from out of nowhere a bullet has hit me in the uh you know the the the, the idea brain and and uh and yeah i'm just taken out of commission because i gotta fucking think about this now and that happens to me a lot like it, it, it it's it's one of the joyful Late things for dinner about... because i'm trying to figure out the answer to this question is definitely a thing yeah yeah happens to me more often than i care to admit yeah exactly so you know um, and this, this, this was one of those things. I was actually reading, um, a post that I'll, uh, mention when we get to Metafilter that was about, or maybe it's, yes. Anyway, uh, something from a guy named, uh, Neil Sloan, um, and I will get into this later, but basically he's the guy who created and, uh, runs substantially the online encyclopedia of integer sequences, which I'm sure I've talked about before. Yes, and, and I'm familiar and, with it. Yeah, and 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 the, and the toothpick sequence is one of the ones that he is particularly fond of, just as like a neat sequence. And I had not really run into it before reading about this, you know, a, a few weeks ago. Um, and I was like, oh, huh, and yeah, just boom, that was that was then what the next couple of days was because uh, I got nerd sniped. So yeah, that's nerd sniping. And yeah, All right. That's, good. Yeah, I've, that's the I've thing I've learned. I have learned a thing. So uh, I like this project, which is a 16-minute video by Overglow, which talks about the new Dungeons and Dragons license and how the problem isn't really Dungeons and Dragons licensing, but like the problem is how capitalism kind of expands to to eat everything around it and. Uh, also, there's things people can do. So I have not seen it. It looks interesting. Um, I'm interested in Dungeons & Dragons because when I uh, do drop-in time at the library, I am uh, there upstairs and downstairs. There are two very active D&D campaigns going on, one for little kids and one for tweens. And uh, one of the guys who who does the tween one like brings all his little figures and like 18,000 dice and it's a very very popular library activity so now I've been more interested in Dungeons and Dragons and news about same 
Yeah, I, 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 I want to watch that as well because like I've been vaguely aware from the periphery that there was this whole fucking open gaming license, whatever thing, and everybody being basically fucking unhappy with Wizards for fucking things up. But I haven't like dug in on any details. Um, uh, so yeah, I could use a, I could use a sort of roundup on the situation as well. Yes. Um, similarly, in things that I'm excited to consume but have not yet, there is a uh, narrative game from Zarkonin called Isle of Beasts. Uh, that I, I had like one minute to glance at and was like, oh, okay. Um, but it's basically a, uh, we probably talked about a dark room years ago, but basically, you know, this is like, it, it, it's, it's, it's a text game and it is a uh, sort of working your way through a narrative with like complicated choices built into it and there's different endings to find and, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it because like Zarkonin's, I've mentioned other stuff, uh, too, and you can see Ignick docked in the thread there saying hey. they really enjoyed it, which is a good uh, endorsement. So, uh, so yeah, I need to get to that at some point, but I'm excited to see it's there. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I liked uh, only sort of conceptually at least uh, Andrew Stevenson's uh, Atkinson dithering. Yes, a web thing that makes your pictures look like. Dithered pictures, which used to be the only way we got images on the internet back in the back in the hippie days, and so it's very, uh, it feels very nostalgic in a way. Yeah. Which I guess is Sam Worm's first comment in the thread, but also was my comment <laughs> when I was when I was just looking at it. And I, th- I think I might have seen this like via Mastodon without realizing it was also a, a projects post. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great, and like there's dithering is neat as as just like a whole solution to like trying to use very small images like it's it's a great solution and it's also one of those like art and uh science sort of meeting in the middle in terms of like how you decide to do dithering um so like you know atkinson dithering is a kind of dithering but fundamentally dithering is just about like filling in sort of a gradient between two things without having access to colors in between like you need to like you know, and, and like stipple drawings are a kind of dithering. Uh, right. But dithering right. is they, more. They imply yeah. the picture without giving you all the information in the yeah. picture. Yeah. And I think, I think in this sense, dithering is more about like the overall approach to performing it rather than like the individual, you know, dots and pieces. But, uh, but yeah. Yes. I thought that was very neat. And I like, I like the interactive uh, bits. It's like just enough to like uh, really sort of get a good idea of how it works well and not so well in different contexts at different settings. And, yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very neat project. Good job, Andrew Stevens. Yes. Those were my those were my top ones. Do you have uh, other ones? Um, uh, there is one just from today that I haven't even had a chance to play with, but I like the look of, which is from Literary Hero. The oh, Rock, Scissors, Paper, scissors Paper Machines. machines. Uh, which is apparently a JavaScript re-implementation of a kind of thing uh, they used to see in Seoul back in the 90s. Just like a, you can't read Korean. The buttons are in order. Scissors, rock, yeah. <laughs> paper. Um, yeah, was there a... I, I, there, there, there's one other that I had in mind, and I can't remember where it is. So I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go and just, just move on with the day. But there's a bunch of other stuff. Go check up, especially since we got like a, uh, a month and change of stuff this time. Yes, um, month yes, and change. As always, yay projects. Yep. Yeah, making projects, posting projects, sharing projects. Yep. If you've done a thing, you want to share it with other Mephites, projects is your place. I feel like I was mentioning in the last podcast there was something I wanted to put on projects. Then I probably forgot entirely about it. 
and now all I have is a shadow of that memory. <laughs> I didn't listen to the full last podcast the way I usually do. Ah. Like I got derailed doing something and almost always I listen to the whole podcast. So this was this was an anomaly and so yeah. now I'm out of sorts. But now you, you fractionally uh, are in the same boat as me. So that's exciting. Mm. Some, some, some glimmer of. Yeah. Um, every every day is a new day. Every month is a new month. Every podcast is the first podcast we've ever recorded. That's uh, <laughs> that's the life I'm trying to live. Um, <laughs> let's talk How does that about... work out with your mortgage? Oh, well, actually, you know, they send me reminders, so that works. Um, I mean, it, 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 the way it works with my mortgage is I, I, I give them like, you know, uh, 1800 bucks every month and, uh, and then somehow I have to do it the next month again and again for as long as I can remember. So, uh, you know, it's very, it, it, it does feel precisely as 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 it sounds um but uh but yeah yes let's talk about metafilter let's talk about the blue uh it's so windy outside fine stuff to talk about here's a thing i like uh this is a post by uh cardioid um about security envelope patterns which is just oh, a beautiful... Oh, I saw this on the internet and did not see it on Metafilter. Ooh. Yeah. So, so you know, security envelope, it's an envelope that also has some, like, printing on the inside to uh, obscure the readability of the contents. Very straightforward concept. Hold up a security envelope in, to a light, and you can see that there's something in there, but you can't trivially read the contents like you could if it was, like, just a check or a short letter or an invoice or something. Um but you know you have to have a pattern inside the security envelope for it to work and so what pattern to use and the answer is well one of at least 600 or so that have been documented so far on this site um which uh what 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 perfect beautiful web content that is just an archive of all the different security envelope patterns they've been able to collect along with information on how to get them more and the best way to do it and some nice images laid out of like all the stuff I, I made like an immediate soluit reference in here because a bunch of squares with different kinds of cross hatching is like an extremely soluit uh, vibe. Uh, but there's also a lot of interesting sort of color and texture stuff that's actually very un unlike. Well, and uh, so many work. of those look, I mean, essentially to me the same. Oh sure. You know that I'm like, how is that one different? I mean, I guess I get it, but ugh. Yeah. So well, cool. it's also one of those things where, like, you know, are they are they different because someone was making a real effort to create differences, or are they different because like five hundred different like people solved this problem for their own envelope pattern generating needs, and what we have is like the sum of like, or you know, like maybe twenty or thirty groups of people generated ten or so patterns, but like, yeah, it's like the, there's not just the one, and it could easily be just the one in theory, but instead we've got all this variation and. Well, and a whole bunch of branded stuff. So, like, you know, different companies change the way they do their security envelopes. And it's, yeah. you know, you assume they're just purchasing it from, you know, blah, 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 envelope company. And. Yeah. Fascinating. The hexagonal ones, man. I love that. I love a hexagon. Yeah. Um, no, those are cool. Anyway, I, I love that. It's just, it's, 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 how perfect. Like, it's just like, this is a cool thing. Of course, it exists. Of course, I'd never even occurred to me that someone would collect it together and document it. And someone is, and that's that's the world the way it should be. That's that's the stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the website looks nice too. Which, as we were talking uh, in pre-roll, like I tend to not like websites, and so when I like a website, I'm always kind of pleased because I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this is this is nice. It doesn't have any of those weird upside down eight problems that like. Ugh. 
looks weird. Ah, this part doesn't work. Ah, that you like, you know, can't do anything about, but still are buggy. That's how Jim and I sort of describe that kind of aesthetic thing. It's like, ah, oh, very upside down eight. Because like, you know how eights are a little tubbier at the bottom than they are at the top? Yeah. Well, depending on the eight, but yeah, generally, yes. Yeah. Like your average eight is yeah. either exactly the same on the top and the bottom or right. bigger on the bottom. It's rare that an eight is bigger my, than the top. My, my, my stupid fucking brain. Here's what happened there. Like, All right. Well, actually, but not in the font on, on the new Blazeball site, which they intentionally created a font with the weighting the letters wrong to fuck with you. But it exists mm. and I know about it. So that's not true. <laughs> Just please, uh, shut the fuck please up. Please let me remind you how much Blazeball is dead to me for exactly <laughs> this kind of reason. I get that's all the content. It's all the content I've got for you. That's that's my entire Blazeball. Uh... Oh, well, I was actually going to mention Blazeball once we got to Fanfare. I know. But, uh, right. So that's right. Jim's in my shorthand for something that aesthetically kind of is like nails on a chalkboard. You know, like, yeah. ah, very upside down eight. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh. All right. But I do have other stuff to talk about. Uh, one of my favorites is, you know, uh, another sort of up my street post, which is Tiny Frying Pan talking about this uh, page that is a slime mold for your wrist. So it's basically uh, a little like kind of fake wristwatch thing you can get and you can put little oats on it and your slime mold moves around it and, you know, it's Tamagotchi-like and it's essentially like exploring the idea of would we feel different about our kind of you know, all of the plastic and gadgets and stuff in our everyday life if we actually had to tend to it the way you would like a, a living creature. So it's really, it's really interesting. And it yeah. becomes a heart rate sensor once the slime mold has grown between, between the two parts. And so it's, uh, it's neat. And then of course there's a, uh, someone, someone showed up in the, in the thread being like grump. <laughs> Wait, someone was grumpy in a thread on the internet? I don't believe it. Oh, yeah. And, and the internet on Metafilter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just somebody who didn't read the article and then was like, yeah. this is my concerns. And like, man, really? Really? Um, but yeah, it was a fun little thread. I, I'm really interested in slime molds, and it's always fun to see them in, uh, in new environments. Nice. Yeah. Um, let's see. God, I've actually got a bunch of stuff i can mention i don't um, have that much from metafilter this month so well let me t let me talk about the let me talk about my new blaze ball um which... new blaze ball blaze ball still exists <laughs> it does still exist it's, it's going again um but uh, another thing that exists as of much more recently that's also weird is uh uh nothing forever oh um, this a, a a twitch stream that's just a constantly endlessly generated uh Seinfeld episode. Jim or, watches you know, this really. on YouTube. I mean, he doesn't watch it, watch it, but like he found it, saw it, and enjoyed it briefly. Yeah, uh, it's it, it it's a Seinfeld episode simulator in a very rough sense. Like it it, it simulates conversations between characters um, in Jerry's apartment, and also bits where Jerry's doing stand up, like he does at the at the start in particular of episodes, uh, just in front of a mic at a club. Um, and it just sort of goes between those and like the shot outside the apartment establishing shot and little bits of generated boom, 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 uh, you know, faux slap based stuff. Um, and it's, it's using like chat GPT. It's like using, you know, that or, or one of the related, 
natural language you know generators to generate Seinfeld like material basically um, to very 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 rough graphical like low poly PlayStation One era sort of graphics uh, with very bad animation like the whole thing is extremely janky and honestly that's the main reason it's compelling is because it's janky and weird in surprising and you know entertaining ways if you are entertained by that sort of thing. Um, and I was just like dying laughing watching it the first night I found it. Like I just like, uh, just sort of that thing where you're wheezing and, and Angela was asleep on the couch and I didn't want to wake her up. So I was trying to like keep the laughter quiet and that, you know, just becomes a self-reinforcing thing. Right, uh, right, right, right. But yeah, so it's just, just, it's just weird data. It's broken. It's funny because it's broken. It's funny because it's broken in specific ways. It's funny because the Twitch stream chat has a lot of people who are enthusiastic about it in various ways related to its idiosyncrasies like one of the things that happens so much like most of the sort of segments of the episodes are like you know one or two minutes long and they start with one of the characters standing in jerry's apartment saying like oh did you hear about the new restaurant yeah no it said sounds like they have the best muffins in the whole city um and this new restaurant new cafe new joint new place new 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 whatever uh happens like that's the start of like half our conversations and every time you know someone says oh did you hear about the new cafe then the chat just explodes with people yelling new cafe in all caps <laughs> and it's like that you know and there's like little repeating themes that come out uh and i don't know it's it's dumb and it's wonderful in the same way that like you know twitch plays pokemon was wonderful and stupid where it's like this whole idea is bad and it's so much fun being there with other people who are all just enjoying it as it doesn't function very well. Well, that's kind of like what Twitch and, I mean, YouTube to a lesser extent has available as a little community of people you can, like, watch dumb shit with. Yeah. And all be in, like, a little chat room with. Yeah. And when there's, like, when there's a good vibe, I like that. Like, it's one of the tricky things is, like... I will say in the first day or two of this, people were so busy having a good time and enjoying the data that you didn't see a lot of the bullshit spam and just people saying shitty things just to be able to say shitty things that you right. see in a lot of Twitch streams when there's right. critical mass. Um, you know, certainly wasn't like consistently not there, but like people weren't really like descending into it and also moving so fast that it was like just a hard place to troll anyway. Um you know, 10 people would shout new cafe and then a second later that would have scrolled off the chat already because like people were posting so much. Um, but also it has since been temp banned from Twitch because they had an issue where their main like text generator was generating the dialogue was breaking and so they switched to a backup one and the backup one was not filtered as well for its content and it ended up, like Jerry ended up doing a stand-up bit where he was making some like vaguely transphobic comments and seems like more than vaguely yeah from, Sorry, what, I, from like, what i can tell from this article it, it's it, it, yeah uh, not 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 vaguely but also it's not like quoting a famous transphobic bit it's just saying dumb things that are transphobic right in a i'm, I'm trying i'm trying to characterize it more than i need to but the point is it did start saying like jerry did like a short transphobic stand-up set insofar as this thing is ever capable of doing a set it's like you know it's broken it's ai um right but it's making them... bad jokes about right right yeah and and so that got them twitch stream banned. they're working on fixing it so that doesn't happen um presumably they'll come back but who knows but like it's also like 
yeah, you're fucking letting an AI like talk about stuff and you can, and you can like try and put as many boundaries as you want, but you, it's never going to have human judgment. So at some point it's going to like do something fucking dumb and you sort of have to like accept going into the process of building anything like that, that even if it's outliers, you're going to have outliers that are fucky unless you can manage to manage those too preemptively. And yeah, so well, and that problem. just seems to be what, you know, all these like AIs just walk straight into. Right. And Chad yeah. GPT's got some pretty serious guardrails around it. Um, but I was just reading on Mastodon this week about like a way that you can like manipulate the question that you ask chat GPT so that you can get it to take its guardrails down because you can basically be like lead into a statement with, Hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then say what you would say if you didn't have your filters on basically yeah. and then it just says what it would say without the filters and it's awful like yeah that's <laughs> that's that's a whole weird subgenre of fucking with like chat ai is like basically giving yourself calvin ball access to the things it's not allowed to do by telling it to do the things it's not allowed to do to act just like it's doing sometimes telling yeah. it to act like it's doing the things it's not allowed to do yeah yeah give, when in point give, of fact it's actually doing those things because it doesn't understand yeah 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 like and that like that's like it's 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 sort of philosophical wankery but like that's the flip side of like you know the jerry bot saying something transphobic is like the jerry bot bot isn't not transphobic any of the time either it's just not producing those outputs because someone filtered ahead of time it doesn't know not to say shitty stuff it just gets disallowed from saying some of the stuff it knows how to say procedurally which means yeah. somebody on the back end knows what all those things are in human terms yeah and, and or knows what the words are probably right i yeah. mean that's gotta well, be like well, and that's one of the things like it's it's the words. There's probably like topic level stuff you can side, kind of get up, but you can't get away from something just putting things together in an unexpected way. Like it was kind of a running theme when I was watching it before the, the band that like every once in a while, Jerry would do like a weird thing that was like very finding a very roundabout not tropish way of saying something that sounds like, wait, was that kind of homophobic? And the chat would just erupt with Larry is canceled. Larry is canceled. But like, it was like taking it in the, well, that was a weird, mild thing. When like, if you take those two words that don't normally go together and you have a human brain, you can say, wait, was that, was that like code for like something fucking homophobic? No. Well, it was like and that just kind of drives home how like, you know, the people who create these things don't, care at some very real level yeah. that that like, that that's a likely yeah like there was a decision made happen, up fence but every time to... people are like oh we're gonna use chat gpt to like answer the phone or whatever you're like yeah but can you get it to answer the phone and not be accidentally homophobic because it needs to be in order to answer the goddamn telephone yeah 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 anyway it's it, it's it's a sort of fascinating mess i love the actual thing itself and also yeah it's it, there's a certain ethical responsibility you have once you turn a fucking ai loose to make sure that uh it doesn't uh do shitty stuff right uh, right anyway so that, that yes that's that's my whole that's my most internet phenomenon from the last couple of weeks was was that fascinating um, uh, and on a list of like things I saw on Mastodon, uh, this one I turned into a Metafilter post because it's about Scrabble. And uh, I sent this to you special, I think, because I thought you would like it because it's basically a guy who does data visualization for a job. Yes. Basically playing Scrabble for, I don't know, a year and 
doing different data visualizations of how those games went. Um, and it's not just like number stuff. Some of them are cool. Some of them aren't as cool. Uh, but it's a very describey uh, way of talking about um, of talking about kind of how how you could represent something like this. Uh, and I just I just thought it was really neat and interesting. I was surprised the thread was so short because I think of Scrabble as being more of a thing, but maybe. Uh, I think maybe the data visualization thing. Uh, yeah, people were like blah people blah blah. Um, but, but, but I have, well, there's a nice roundup, uh, from, uh, Fizz, um, uh, brain, the, the nice roundup Fizz, uh, a post about, uh, the live service game bubble, uh, the what, uh, what? The, the, the live service game bubble looks ready to burst is the lead article, but there's several other articles in there as well. Um, live service Wondering what games. a live service game is. Li I sure was. Games. Thank you, yes, Zamboni. Yes. Here's uh, the uh, first uh, comment. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, Zamboni gets at it too. Um, but basically, it's, uh, live service or games of service is games that are uh, sort of living online. Like, like they're, they're generally always online. They tend to be things that are sort of MMO-ish. They tend to have regular updates over time. They have things like, you know, seasonal content that comes along uh and you know it's something that you don't just buy and play once it's something that like it's designed like an mmo to continue being played they tend to be sort of lifestyle type games where it's like this is the game you play a ton of and we're going to keep putting out new content and we're going to keep supporting it as long as it's profitable um and the thing about them is they're expensive to make because you have to both make them and engineer them for lots of players and, and support over time and also you have to, you know, provide servers and support them over the long run. So you're not just planning for like, oh well, we've spent two years making. We this made game. the game. Yeah. yeah. Did we sell enough copies to make our money back? It's like, okay, we spent two years, you know, making this game and setting up the architecture, and now we're going to run it for another three, four years, maybe, and it'll need to keep making enough money over that time to support staff. So yeah, it has staff to be big and, enough. And, and the hosting and whatnot. Yeah. And so, yeah, it has to be big enough. It has to be you know, popular enough. Like that's the thing. If, if you just and if stay you make a popular great game enough and it doesn't hit a critical mass, you're just like, well, what do we do? Set cash on fire for the next year until we run out of like the ability to bleed money. I am familiar um, with the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is, this is a roundup about like, there's been a lot of things sort of like shuddering or announcing a shuddering. And is this sort of like a contraction of what was, you know, a lot of growth of people trying to launch big service games that then just, didn't find their audience, didn't find the critical mass. And so, yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of gaming situation uh, territory. And there's some good uh, there's good stuff in the stuff Fizz wrote and a bunch of good discussion in the thread. And, yeah, so if you're interested in that phenomena, that's the post for you. Thread's still open. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Jim made a post that I liked um, about the vacuum cleaner defense league, which is just a one-off joke that dogs don't like the vacuum cleaner. And I feel like this is an older post. Um, but the thing that didn't used to be here as much, I mean, because everything on the website is three years old, right? But there's a whole bunch of... Um, da -da 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 -da. Oh, meet the members where it's yeah. just a whole bunch of adorable pictures of dogs 
talking about their feelings about the vacuum cleaner and of course it's all you know super made up but it just it's a good laugh <laughs> if delightful if uh you're interested in uh lots of pictures of very good doggos who very much hate the vacuum cleaner because i think jim and i were talking about this because uh before i got my hair cut which uh you may or may not have seen, but like I cut all my hair off. I don't think I don't think I did. Ah! I think I think I saw you mention it, but I don't think I saw. I, I have a very nice, very short haircut now, and I am so happy with it. But part of the thrill of it is I don't have to blow dry my fucking hair anymore, which is great because I don't like it because I don't like the blow dryer the way I believe dogs don't like the vacuum cleaner. Like it's too loud, and I just can't. I'm agitated the whole time it's on, even though it was necessary if you live in a house in Vermont in the winter that is cool that you need to blow dry your hair once you get it wet because otherwise you die. (laughs) And I was explaining this to Jim and he was like, I don't get it. Like he just goes to sleep with wet hair because he's different from me. And I was trying to explain it. And I was like, you know, vacuum cleaner defense league. He's like, I've never heard of this thing. And then (laughs) I told him about it and showed him the website. And then he thought it was hilarious and posted it to my filter. Success. Success all around. Yeah. No, that's like, yeah, I mean, good web. I did a meme. Um, there was a post, uh, that introduced me to a word that I guess I was sort of familiar with the idea, but knolling, K-N-O-L-L, to knoll. Oh yeah, uh, I know all about knolling. I am a knoller. I had, I had not encountered the word before. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, for whatever reason. I'm going to go um, look and now show you where on Malt Shop you should have seen me use the word before. Okay. But, but yes. yeah, yeah, I, I, I might have seen like I haven't, I didn't, I hadn't internalized it certainly. Um, I would be curious to see if yeah, there was somewhere where I had specifically seen it. Um, but anyway, this is a post from Belladonna, and it is, uh, uh, it's got an article talking about Noling and then several other uh, nice links, um, and it, it, it's basically Noling is the idea of laying things out in a organized and you know, aesthetically pleasing way. I as... guess I have not used that word there, but here's a good example picture. All right. Um, but ba- basically the idea of like taking like the, the tools for a thing. I, my, my, my understanding of the core like utility idea of it is like taking the tools involved in a workspace or a work process and laying them out in a visual, clear, sort of squared off way. Um, and then taking a picture is... of it kind of from the top almost. Yeah. Well, this is so. This is the thing. I feel like Noling, like oh, Noling itself is not the picture yeah, like, of the thing. It's yeah, the like, like Noling itself is like this sort of like workspace oriented, uh, neat, visible arrangement of tools. And then there's this whole category of sort of aesthetic stuff that grew out of that that is varyingly actually utile, varyingly just pure aesthetics of like laying things out in a neat way and taking a picture of it. Um, and a lot of that latter is like very, very Instagram friendly stuff. Like some of it is art photography. Some of it is just people creating content. Uh, but it could also be something you're doing with the actual tools in a workshop. Um, right. The Studley I, tool chest is the original kind of, it's a tool chest that has everything li- laid out like completely amazingly. And people like to take pictures of it. My father has a picture of this tool chest on the wall of his uh, bedroom of all things. Oh, wow. Uh, look at that thing. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll toss a Lincoln because wow. Yeah, uh, I've never seen that before or heard of it. Um, but yeah, like that's that's kind of getting at the idea, um, and and the, it, the the discussion in that thread was really interesting because people were like pulling all sorts of things about this and trying to like make the connection there to sort of like uh, you know Marie Kondo stuff, uh, which she's been in the news lately. Has she? 
Well, I mean, there was a little bit of thing that zipped around the internet, which is like now that she's got three kids, she kind of has given up on oh, well. being super tidy. And a whole bunch of other people then showed up and were like, aha! And then other people were like, that's not what it was ever about. People just like to hate her because, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, right? yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of back and forth. Uh, Secondary condo discourse. Yeah, which um, I, you know, thought was fairly yeah. interesting um, just because I'm there for it. But yeah. Yeah, I think there, there, like, there were there were some discussion of condo stuff. I don't think that whole mess came up in this thread. But like, you know, different people with different takes on the nature of organizing and workspaces and aesthetics and whatnot. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that's a good one. Um, I feel like I feel like I should do like just a power drop of a bunch of uh, probably. Posts, I have mostly stuff hour. from Ask Meta Filter and yeah. you know Fanfare. Okay, speed run. I'm gonna speed run through like. Six posts. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, I know, right? But I, 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 I can't just dwell on them all. So there is a post by May Kasahara about the Mentos theme. You know, fresh goes better, Mentos better. And I saw this on the front page, and I was like, wait, is this post seriously? Did someone just make a post that was just like the Mentos theme? And I clicked through it to be like, oh wait, no, three minutes long. Oh, it's an entire song, and it's an entire song that's a Mentos theme, but without the Mentos branding. The lyrics are slightly different. Anywhere it would mention Mentos. Um, and then the, the inside of the post, uh, this is, to be clear, I, I looked at this co post with like great skepticism when I first saw it on the front page. And in retrospect, I think it's a great fucking post. Good job, Mei Kasahara. Um, inside, it's got a bunch of links to like ad compilations, the Mentos FAQ from like Usenet days, um, and a couple roundups and some info on the music production behind it. And the thing, but the, the, the thing that really blew my mind about this was the fact that there was this full length pop single version of this that like doesn't have the mentos branding. And I, I wanted to see if I could find out any information about like specifically how that came about and I never did. Um, like there's probably no big mystery. She's like, oh yeah, we, we came up with a theme and we did a full length pop version. And also we ended up like, you know, selling the actual theme and- Well like, um, but like without the, okay. So like it was a too. song and then they, but the mentos, Mm. See, that's that's the question. Like, was it a pop song that someone like had in the can and like, oh, we can turn this into the Mentos theme? Because like was pop it, like, songs they wrote that the were about the product the were not that unusual. Coca Cola right. loved to do that, right? But right. that's but not then, this, is what you're but saying. But then you end up like, yeah, with the with the pop length version that's not about the product, even though it's absolutely identifiably the same theme. So it's like, what was the details of that? How it happened? Didn't get an answer. Didn't find an answer. We may never know. But I like that it exists. It's like a weird fucking Berenstain Bears thing that like there is like someone could build an alternate universe around this being a hit pop single in a world where Mentos never happened, you know, and I think it would be functional. Um, and the guy who wrote that theme also has at least two albums from like the early 80s of like minute long jingle stings. Like he's got an album called Hot Spots with 77 tracks on it. All of them like, or almost all of them, like 20 to 40 seconds long. And they're all just like kind of shitty little like synth compositions. It's uh, What, what I, makes I, them shitty? Are they not um, catchy? What? No, 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 no. Shitty, like the, the, the production quality is worse than the Mentos song. Like they're very definitely like, this is something this guy worked out with like, out too much fancy equipment and too much extra polish on them. Like they're fine, but they sound like stings from like sitcom themes that never existed or from like uh, video games old enough to need sort of like MIDI synth table music on them. Like they don't, they don't sound polished and, and they're all, they almost, none of them have lyrics. Um, they, uh, 
Yeah, they're just like they're 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 rough around the edges. Like it feels like it feels like a demo reel that got distributed as an album in some small amount as well for some reason. Um, anyway, it's it's all in thread. Go look at it. I did a very bad job of speed running that one, so the rest of these are going to be genuinely speed runs. Uh, there was a nice post by Etrigan about the stink A, which is to say uh, text with diacritics that the diacritic itself, the macron, the bar on the top, is missing from the font that was used. So you get this weird mismatching Helvetica font with the, the character instead. And talking about this from the perspective of uh, specifically Maori uh, indigenous language that uses that and then seeing it like used in like Australian and New Zealand uh, text, I think in particular. Um, but just how generally this is a problem where you see this lack of these extended characters or, or good handling of them in various fonts leads to these ugly sort of signifiers that jump out and sort of say, oh, hey, yeah, whoever did the design work on this did not care or try or notice enough to realize that they are fucking up this thing that is very obvious to someone who, you know, reads a language that has this diacritical edition, um, but isn't in like, you know, English and, 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 and French and the other most major uh, like Western text, but, but especially English and, 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 and English oriented text. So it's, it's neat. There's a good cartoon in there, some good discussion, some talk about Unicode. It's a nice thread. I saw somebody talking on Macedon about like how to, how to write the, um, I don't even know how to say it cause I only know it from reading. Okina, Okina, the little, the little like glottal stop, uh, piece of punctuation that's in Hawaiian. Oh, okay. Oh, ah, they sucked his brains out, has mentioned it in the thread. Because a lot there of people use the apostrophe, but it's not an apostrophe. It's yeah. a it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, there were two posts about uh, the film Groundhog's Day and someone's project for watching it every day. Uh, I'm linking to Logic Punks, which is the second one. And I think maybe everyone refrained from linking to the, the first one. Um, but anyway, it's it's delightful. It was it was a great thing where someone made an obvious jokey double post, and basically no one flagged it because they got the joke, and I found that delightful. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and both both threads have some nice discussion of Groundhog's Day and other related media. So uh, yeah, uh, there is. You didn't. A post. Nobody even like flagged the Zalgo post. Usually, the Zalgo. I, know, right? I, th I I feel like it was like a, a flagging armistice in there. Everyone's like, you know what? We know what's going on. Everything's allowed. No gods, no masters. <laughs> this is happening, which I, I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that happening for something utterly harmless. Like that's, a, that's exactly how it should be. Exactly. Um, I'm there there's with a you. post, uh, another post from Metrigan actually uh, about uh, Yogesh Rout. Um, oh, who, I know Yogesh. Yogesh is in my uh, trivia league. Well, he was on Jeopardy, and then he lost at Jeopardy after three games, and wrote some angry stuff on the internet about it. And it's it's a weird sort of like this is this is for the Jeopardy people. It's like I don't even know what how to feel about the whole thing he had a lot of critical things to say and people have you know argued over whether like there was good substance to that i believe versus, yogesh is, is somewhere on the spectrum maybe both yeah yogesh um, basically maintains like a list at the end of every trivia season of which questions you would know if you had read yogesh's blog <laughs> and he literally outlines every single thing a lot of this trivia comes up on his blog but it's also a little bit like buddy buddy yeah. Oh, this yeah. is interesting. I did not know the story. Yeah, okay. so it, 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 it's it's an interesting story. It's an interesting thread. And it's also like a lot of people in the thread 
uh, some, some people have like quiz anecdotes, Jeopardy anecdotes, Yogesh anecdotes, and some people are like, wait, the quizzing community? And so it feels like there's a real collision of different things in here. So I think if you missed it and you are a quizzing person in particular, uh, go check it out because uh, what a weird dramatic uh, development in Jeopardy. <laughs> Wow, that is really interesting. And again, like I said, I know Yogesh because Yogesh is very involved in the bulletin boards on Learned League. Hmm. And um Yeah. And uh huh. Somehow yeah. somehow they didn't talk about this, which seems surprising. It feels it, it feels to some extent like one of those things where like it managed to get some traction outside of like people normally talking about quiz stuff and might well not have gotten that traction within like quiz community stuff because like everyone already knows everyone's big quiz nerds with feelings. So yeah, I don't know. Um, there's a nice post from Buffy12 uh, about the year 2038 plug, um, which is like Y2K except for 32-bit Linux systems or Unix systems. Ah. Um, which is the the way they count time in Unix is the number of seconds since like midnight January first, nineteen seventy, um, and like you know that is that that date is called the epoch, and you count up one second at a time to track like date and time. If you need uh, absolute at, time that doesn't have to do with time zones or anything else, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So like that's just like the number of seconds since that. Is how it gets, and and the thing is, if you use a thirty-two bit number, thirty-two ones and zeros, the number of different values you can store before it becomes all ones and then has to wrap around to all zeros again, uh, that you run out of road sometime in twenty thirty-eight. The year twenty thirty-eight, it'll go from thirty-two ones and then wrap back around to thirty-two zeros, and all of a sudden the computer thinks it's January first, nineteen seventy again. Same thing as Y two K, different reason. Um, and back, I remember when Y two K was happening uh a lot of unix nerds linux nerds were like joking about oh yeah now we got to figure out the y 2.038k bug um but it, it is an issue it's a potential issue um especially for weird forgotten systems is where it becomes an issue right uh, so because is, you're not even sure who's maintaining those systems or yeah yeah um, so this is a nice thread of discussion about that Y2K memories sort of arguments about like was a catastrophe avoided or was there no catastrophe you know digging in. and there's some nice links to other time-based bugs and issues and yeah so I enjoyed that um, I enjoyed uh, CGC373's post about the mystery of the Dune font where he found a article talking about that font which is uh, Davis and Art Nouveau and the article is gloriously not coy about it it's just like well what do we know about this? Here's what we know about it. Here's some details. There you go. That's nice. And I like that font. I like Dune. I'm, the two are very closely related. Um, and there's a bunch of other nice links in there, too, to uh, uh, other stuff about the font and other stuff about Dune and book covers. Um, so that's nice. And uh, finally, in the speed run, uh, there's a nice post from Duyen about a series of posters from uh, a guy who does a lot of, like, mathy design stuff. Uh doing a visualization of wait isn't this numbers. the scrabble guy this is uh, the scrabble database is it, guy i i thought maybe it was and i couldn't quite put it together yes, so yes there we go that's why it was same so guy. Familiar. same guy yeah so so this is also um and it's just some very pretty math art and there's some discussion in the thread about like well what, whether it's really like math math and, and i left a long comments being like well you know what if it's mathy art and gets people excited about math in an artistic way it doesn't have to do anything else it doesn't have to be doing math it just has to be letting people think about math and art in new ways so uh but i thought they were very pretty and uh yeah that's it 
Done. Done with my speed run. Da da da. Cool. Only 12 minutes after I said I was starting it. So uh, two minutes per post. That's not great, but it's not terrible. That's not terrible. Let's talk about Ask Metafilter. Okay. Uh, I uh, like this question from Jack Bishop, whose wife really likes those fireplace videos. Um, and she uses an app and they're like a continually burning fire, but like the wood's never consumed. And like, obviously they're on a loop, but like, how does that work what am i what am i looking at like i don't understand explain like i'm five yeah and uh there's actually some really good um links to where you can learn more about how how uh how that stuff works yeah huh well because it's fire right so there's ways of kind of masking a loop a little bit because there's a lot of overlapping yeah, you stuff get some, going on in some the blurring place. because like yeah but yeah but it's one of those neat like i didn't know neat. i wanted to yeah. know a little bit about it and now i know a little bit about it yeah exactly that's great a very uh much longer than i expected it and i won't get into it too much uh as i'm not a parent but a question from Mouthouse about how to handle non-negotiable extracurriculars. So basically, they have a kid. They want the kid to play tennis. Uh, how? Um, and you see a lot of uh, Ask Metafilter people with their own personal feelings about what a non-negotiable extracurricular <laughs> is like in the context of whatever their childhood was. And it gets clarified at least a little bit. Uh, what the what the original poster is actually looking for and or talking about and then there's some actually good advice about parenting styles and ways to make this work if what you're really trying to do is you know help get them to enjoy like tennis specifically or uh you know other other stuff generally and i just thought as a as a non-parent it was really interesting for me to read it about you know lots of different people's approach to sort of a slightly tricky Slightly tricky question. Nice. And uh, the other main thing I had from Ask Me besides something, because I've now, like, I've finally sort of gotten over myself, and now I'm sort of back involved in Ask Metafilter, not, like, aggressively yet, but at least I'm, like, looking at it regularly, which, as you'll remember, I wasn't for several months, and, you know, happy to be happy to be back there. But uh, I have been sort of reading and noticing things at least a little bit. And this was, oh, I think there's some extra cruft at the end of that link. Da, 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 da. Uh, this was a thread by uh, Ellenson. Basically, I'm not having trouble with the IRS, but I'm really curious how in God's name this stuff works. What is the, <laughs> what is the job like? What is, it, what is it like being there? Blah, blah, blah. And there's not a ton of comments. The question just went up uh, yesterday. But... There's like an interesting article about how they deal with tax returns. There's a memoir by someone who used to work at the IRS and uh, somebody, K.S. Chang, was a temp there for a while and just, you know, it was more information than I thought I wanted uh, about how the Internal Revenue Service works. Because as you know, I spend a lot of time dealing with various taxes and uh, I'm always sort of curious, like, if my yeah. if my if my effort matches up with the efforts uh, 
of, of the agency, and it appears that the IRS is still dangerously underfunded and uh, <laughs> very much in the dark ages, mainly because that's kind of the way uh, the way some of that stuff needs needs to, I don't know, happen. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's like the, the IRS is such a strange, like, conceptual creature, I feel like, in the, in the American imagination, too. Like, it's, I, I remember knowing that, like, the IRS was like, uh-oh, and taxes were a pain in the ass, blah, 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 as a kid before I had any context whatsoever for any of that. Uh, and it's, it's, but it's also just this fucking agency full of people doing this job that they need to do because it's part of how shit works. And, like, the... I don't know. It's like the IRS manages to be like simultaneously like the most boring government agency, bureaucratic, whatever thing. And also like the mafia in like <laughs> some version of the public imagination. And it's, it's such a weird thing. So like, yeah, thinking about like, okay, but what's it just like? I don't know. I like that. I like that. I like that curiosity. I like that. Uh, yeah. And then, anyway. and then the one I think we were gonna get to, um, I don't know if you had other stuff on Ask Metafilter before we well, did I got it. a couple of little things, but like, let's, let's, let's get to it. Okay. This was the ingredients people idea. So this was yes. Shady Grove basically saying there's that concept of people who are, quote, ingredients people, you know, meaning you have stuff in your house, in your kitchen that you can make other things from. Like, you know, basic, like, do you have, like, flour? Do you have, like, you know, baking supplies? Do you have you know, whatever, where did this idea come from? Can someone provide me a link, blah, blah, blah. And so when I read this question, I was like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, low on the food chain people. A lot of people did that when they were hippies, like during, during sort of the hippie era in the seventies. But then the more I read the thread, the more I realized it's kind of like an internet thing now, like funny link to like, know your meme, like an ingredients household. And it's become this weird virtue signaling thing, even though, you know, I mean, I, I, I consider myself very lucky that I grew up without a lot of like food related virtue, external feelings. You know what I mean? Like, like my mother was a little bit like, man, you got to eat certain kinds of food and not other kinds of food in a, in a mom way, but not in a, like, you're a bad person if you don't, you know, eat good, eat bad, eat whatever. But I guess now it's like an online, like, ooh, ingredients household. La di Well, it's like a TikTok thing, I guess. I haven't run into it, but Angela had run into it on, like, just her TikTok feed um, and had brought it up because of that. And she's like, oh, some of the ingredient household thing. It's like, the what? And, and yeah. Yeah, it was like yeah. a TikTok thing. And it's funny because Know Your Meme is basically like a household that only keeps stock of food uses ingredients in larger dishes such as chocolate chips, marshmallows, peanut butter, graham crackers, and dried fruit. And I'm like, what? Those are such weird examples, you know? Like that's like snacks. But I think yeah. they mean, I guess, not like pre-made like cookies and yeah, yeah, candy yeah, bars like, and stuff like that. Yeah, and not, not like potato chips and, and, and Hot Pockets and whatnot. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it, But like marshmallows, it, I don't know. I, it, it's it's a <laughs> the, the the ask me is just as slightly bumpy and weird as you would expect it to be with such a beautiful setup for people disagreeing with each other on like seven different things about things that because they're tied to childhood especially like they have strong feelings about right like it's not a 
tire fire of an ask me, but it's like it's a little bit bumpy. Like it's bumpier than just a oh that's a weird thing I hadn't thought about that way sort of thing. Right. Um, right. Well, because then, there's the inherent like value layer on top of the actual yeah. fact based layer. Yeah, and people some strong people on ask me classism because feel those values, know. and other people can only see them but don't feel them. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's interesting, and there's uh, we'll link to a meta talk that came out of this, which. Um, was longer and more fun, generally speaking, just because it's not trammeled by like the needing to focus on answering the question per se thing and ask me. Um, that has a lot of people sort of talking with more context about like you know their their childhood and their household. Right, like when I grew up, we were like this and like that, but now I'm yeah. this other kind of person, or maybe I'm the same kind of person. Well, and you yeah. and I were gonna uh, spend at least thirty seconds complaining about carob. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I, I I made that joke in the meta talk specifically because I thought I remembered having an argument about Carib or not an argument, but like, you know, a, a, a gripe fest about Carib on the blue at some point. And then someone linked to a thread that was on the blue that had that, that apparently the only thing I ever did in it was like delete someone's comment. <laughs> um, so that's why I remember it. But like, <laughs> was Carib ever supposed to be actually healthier? That was the thing I had the hardest I don't time. No. Because I. I we were in a carob household, but I had friends who were in a carob household, and carob was terrible. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't figure out if it was terrible, but it was supposed to be healthier, or if it was terrible, but it was just supposed to be not chocolate. Well, and, yeah, I feel like I feel like it was probably sort of a health fad thing in the U.S. You know, it feels like a 70s, 80s health fad is the vague sort of reconstructed, like, you know, context I'm putting on. Well, and it seems like margarine versus butter, like maybe healthier along one trajectory, but not less healthy in a different one. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I've never looked into um, is like, I have no idea if carob was a much more established thing uh, in some other regions or cultures. Like, it might be that there are like places in the world that are not the U.S. where carob was just like, it's always been like, oh yeah, carob, yeah. No, it's not chocolate, it's carob, but like, you know, it's part of whatever. Right, 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 right. Whereas it feels like the U.S. like had like, carob had its moment and then everyone was like, "This, this is the worst chocolate I've ever had, fuck this. And now carob still exists, but no one, like, it's not, like, it's something we joke about you know, childhood drama about instead of like necessarily right and there may be people who can't there. eat chocolate for tierman reasons or whatever who knows sure that carob is acceptable compared to nothing but yeah yeah and, it, and it's probably one of those things where honestly if you're using carob because it tastes like carob and cooking it like in that context it's probably completely fine it's just like the oh yeah it's like chocolate well, no it's not like postum is not like coffee either i kind of like postum but it's not fucking it's not coffee. It's never going to replace it. Like, it, uh, it's just its own thing. And, you know, and that's that's so true for so many, like, sort of alternative food products, too. Like, you know, I've really warmed up to oat milk and, and you know, almond milk and soy milk over the years. It took me a while to get there because I really just wanted it to be milk. Right. Uh, no, boy, I'm, I'm just, the same way. I cannot way. drink milk at this point. At this point, I'm like, yeah, no, oat milk on cereal. Sure. It's different, but it's fine. Yeah. I didn't used to be an alternative milks person as much, but now... I don't know exactly. Like, I just don't drink milk fast enough anymore. And so having alternative milks on the occasional time I need to cook with it or bake with it or whatever, like, you know, accounting for how they're slightly different in cooking and baking yeah, uh, has really... And I have half and half, so that's, like, it's not a no-dairy thing. Uh, yeah. But, yes. It, it's a lactose intolerance thing for me. I just, like, it's not that's not going to end well for anybody if I'm drinking milk. Yeah. Uh, I can cook with it. Like, we can make, like, popovers or German pancake, and that's not a problem. But, like, milk on cereal is not worth the uh, the trouble. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, also not trying to like replace milk in place, but instead use something that tastes different and is different. Like, okay, that's fine. Right. Um, anyway, interesting thread. Uh, Meta talk. Uh, yammering is fun as well. Agreed. Um, I will give you my two other small ask me things. Yeah. Um, one is, I think this was like just after we recorded last podcast, uh, Cheese Grater is looking for a sci-fi Technobabble parody. Um, and uh, they got their uh, their answer, I believe. Um, or, or close answers, I'm not sure. We didn't get a best answer follow-up. But anyway, uh, it sounds like it was this David Weber thing um, that a couple people mentioned. So um, niche, niche question, got an answer. Niche, nice. Niche. Um, niche. Niche. I, I, I've come over to niche. I think I, I think I, as the book reader's dilemma, I came up with niche. And I think I had that reinforced to some extent in some context when I was younger. And I have since come to like, well, it's really, it's niche. It's niche and niche is like, you know, a slightly nicer word to say too. So like, hey, yeah, niche, fine. But I haven't deprogrammed myself from being uncertain sometimes. Um, the other ask me I was going to mention was this question from Unknown Command about, you know, they're trying to figure out why they were so blown away by this performance of Wrecking Ball that Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton did together live on stage. Um, and sort of asking about the musical interview intervals and, and harmony involved it um, and why it hit so hard. And it's, 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 it's like, I think like eight different people gave eight different takes on aspects of it, talking a little bit about the like harmony and a little bit of music theory. And also just like, hey, you know, to some extent, like you have a good dramatic setup and a couple of good singers, it's going to hit hard because the performance is there. Like it's not necessarily, there's nothing magical about this. It's just two people at the top of their game. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I ended up putting in my own comment talking about what I thought was interesting about the specific harmony, but like, but also like, yeah, like you could do that same thing with a couple of people who are not particularly good singers for a song. Everyone didn't know. And you didn't have a giant crowd holding their breath, waiting for the chorus to land. It wouldn't have the same effect. Like even if you had the exact same harmony. So uh, it's kind of the sum of the parts, I think. But I, I think there is something interesting going there. And it's, I, I'm just always excited whenever there's some sort of like, sort of musical theory and musical thought uh, question shows up and asks. So I enjoyed that one too. And it's a good performance. Yeah, I bet. We gave, uh, I was at a Library Association conference uh, online uh, a couple weeks ago, and we gave Dolly Parton uh, honorary membership to the American Library Association. Oh, nice. Yeah, for her work with libraries. And yeah, she's just terrific. Um, and that, that, that was my contributions to the Ask Me side this time. But I had any because one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about how you had not been on Ask, I was like, you know, I should, I think we talked about it. I think I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try and do that. And I, I did for two days. Two days I went to Ask Me every day and uh, worked for some stuff. So, you know, it's baby steps. Good. Baby steps for me. Um. And it was nice, you know. I enjoy it. I just forget to do it, <laughs> which is the problem. Sure. With so many neglected uh, things. So, uh, so yeah. So your strange journey through being away from Ask prompted a, a a baby step on my part back towards paying attention to it, and uh, I appreciate that. How nice. Well, uh, that was it for me and Ask. I spent, you know, I'm I'm getting back into it, but I'm not super back into it yet. Uh, but, you know, did want to mention the return of Blazeball, which has a thread from about a month ago in Fanfare. I did not see that there was a Fanfare thread. Yes. Virus. Virus? Virus? Valrus? Valrus? Yeah. Is, it, is it L? Yes, Valrus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ian. Yes. 
yes, made a made a little thread. There's just not that much there, but for people who are interested in Blaze Ball, uh, you should know. It's going back on, and I have been working my way. I don't know if I mentioned this last month. Just but go for it anyway. I've been working my way through Killjoys, which is a sci-fi series that basically started and ended a couple, like started, I don't know, eight years ago and ended three years ago. And ten. it's a Canadian sort of, I don't know, bounty hunter type uh, show really interesting and it's been fun to like finish an episode be like oh what did I just watch kind of and then go into essentially like a five-year-old thread on fanfare which is still open if I feel like chatting about something with people yeah. who maybe aren't still there and uh talking about it yeah nice yeah. yeah no I don't remember this I don't think you mentioned before yeah I finally wrapped up uh, leverage I think which may have been what I talked about last month Ah, that and be. I was showing I, I, up in old threads about leverage to talk about it. And now I'm uh, reading along with old threads on Killjoys. I'm pretty certain we didn't talk about it because I immediately tried to start thinking of some sort of joke about Canadian space bounty hunters. And I couldn't come up with something. And I also couldn't remember failing to come up with something previously. Well, so it, this it is like, a fascinating show for people who like this kind of stuff. Because it's Canadian, it means it's not like a rapey gore fest like it would be if it yeah. were if it were American <laughs> expanse. And... Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's about like these two people and then his brother, like it's woman, man, his brother joins. And there's a lot of sort of interesting interrelationship stuff. But then there's also just lots of, uh, I feel like I talked to you about this, but maybe I was talking to somebody else about it. There's a whole bunch of weird, interesting issues about consent. Like, not just like, oh, are we going to have sex or not? How do you feel about that? But just different, they encounter different people on different planets who are having different relationships to stuff. Like, you know, one one planet is all like, you know, women who are basically chosen to be quote unquote vessels to, to, uh, uh, to uh, incubate the babies of the ruling class. And at some point, like our bounty hunters are like, let's get you out of here. And a lot of the women who are like, nah, you know, it's an honor to be chosen. And I was raised to be this and I'm actually happy to do that. And it becomes like a really interesting pivot point because you obviously get the bounty hunters like, you don't just want to be a human womb for someone else, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, if the women are like, and they're grown women who are like, nah, I'm good. Thanks. Like, there's an essential interesting tension there. And there's a lot yeah. of those moments in the show over like the four seasons I've currently watched where like you look at someone's situation and you're like, clearly they want to be rescued from that situation. Uh, but realistically, um, uh, but realistically, maybe they don't. And and what does that mean? Yeah. And blah, 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 blah. So I, uh, I enjoy it specifically for that because it's, you know, it's written by, a woman, and I don't know if that's specifically why it's more like this than a lot of other sci-fi shows. Um, but so as a result, the relationships seem more interesting to me personally. And uh, yeah. and, and it's neat to read along uh, with the fanfare threads because a lot of Mephites see it similarly. So it's, it's fun to, because sometimes it's hard to get that across to somebody who's not looking for kind of social justice themes in their yeah. sci-fi shoot-em-up show. Yeah, sure. But yeah, that was my that was my fanfare, uh, nice. I think. Um, and I'm also reading, watching Abbott Elementary, but I haven't been too involved in the uh, fanfare threads for that. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that yet. It's fun. It's too much TV. It's too much TV. It's fun. I did start watching uh, Poker Face, the new uh, Natasha Leone 
series that uh, Ryan Johnson produced. Oh, neat. Uh, Sort of like the, the, I, the, 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 I do the, like her. The, the Columbo remake, except for it's not, but you know, there's like a real good sort of vibe of like, like it's, it's definitely its own thing, but like, you know, you can, it's very much on display why people were saying, hey, we should have a uh, uh, remake of Columbo with Natasha, Natasha Leone because like, yeah, no, she's great. And I've only seen the first episode for so far. It's a, it's a, it's a good opener and sets up trouble down the road, but, uh, but yeah, digging it. Well, and I like Ryan Johnson, so yeah, good, good, yeah. good advice. Because I will be wrapping up Abbott Elementary really soon, so yeah. Well, you can get on that. Yeah. Um, two other meta talk things. One a bummer. One uh, a nice thing. Uh, the bummer is Edfus passed away. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Which you found out, like you you found out out of the blue from someone contacting you about it, and right it was like I'm looking of... for the producer of the Metafilter podcast, and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> And I, I didn't know where that was going, and then it was yeah. a friend of uh, of Eric's who told me, and I was just, ugh, awful, gut punch. And there's, for people who were maybe in that thread early but haven't come back to it, there's a full proper obit about him posted towards the end of it that's really worth a read. Oh, good. I actually, I had not seen it. I think I ended up uh, cleaning out some of my recent activity just to get my mind off stuff. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, Okay. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of nice stuff in that. Uh, a lot of nice comments from folks. Some some references and links to stuff. He was just he was you know around and he was yeah, he's one of ours. Um, but on on a more pleasant thread stopper, there was also a fun thread from Fizz uh, last month. Just about hey, what are you listening to? Uh, that uh, you know, it's like it's like an ask me list generator without any nominal premise. It's just like hey. Late on me, and there's a whole bunch of good stuff in there. And I've been trying to like mix up my music listing a little bit more actively in the last year. So anything that's sort of like, a, hey, well, check out this thing you've never heard of is is nice. Um, so yeah, I liked that. It was fun. Wolfpack. That that's face. what I've been listening to. I still need to check them out. I know uh, the name very well, and I still haven't gotten around to it. You would like them. I know a couple people who are like super into them, and I just like it hasn't quite crossed the threshold yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe maybe I'll try and listen to some of this very this very morn yeah in the remaining 18 minutes of it um hey my yeah. morn is way way gone yeah well i mean it's 242 so yeah oh i guess that's a pretty straightforward concept well <laughs> <laughs> that's slow on the uptake says i'm definitely done hey <laughs> Uh, this was a this was a good time i enjoyed talking to you and it's fun being friends who have this thing in common how do you like that for some brief, uh, straightforward, but heartfelt comments? I love it. I think that's nice. I Good. appreciate it. As you know, you I appreciate you. It's fun. To, what? <laughs> I don't know. How's don't that know. again? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my self-sabotaging yeah. little buddy. Yeah. Doing so yeah, nice. I'm real bad at this. <laughs> should we stop talking? <laughs> we should probably stop talking. At okay. least you should. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. See you, see you. Uh, sometime soon. See you next month.